0: online on radio player and on 106.6 fm this is wickham sound the wickham wanderer show welcome to the first wickham wanderer show of 2021 it's also the first in tier four lockdown three meaning it's the first show that we've not done together
1: but no. we, we are separate uh, Bob- <laughs> It's going to be very exciting though And you're not going to notice any difference other than the fact that we've referred to it right at the beginning <laughs> um,
0: Bob is talking to us from Woobin Green I'm in Wickham And uh, we have a, a fantastic Action-packed
1: hour planned for you We do indeed. Uh, We are going to hear from Gareth Ainsworth after the Cardiff City win, which does seem like a while ago now, but we haven't had a show since then, so we thought that it was important to bring you his reaction uh, to a win. We're also going to be hearing from Ryan Tapasoli after that game as well.
0: And the Middlesbrough game, reaction from Gareth uh, as well. It was unfortunate in that uh, we didn't pick up the three points, but very exciting to score first in that and the Cardiff games.
1: Yeah, oh, it started so well. I I had such high hopes, but to be fair, Middlesbrough did then go up a few gears and and for half an hour were really, really good. But I thought the great thing was, actually, we came back, uh, particularly in the second half, and we did play really, really well, and we weren't that far away from getting an equaliser. Uh, We will also today be hearing from Neil Peters. He is uh, the uh, Chief Commercial Officer at Adams Park. Obviously, this week we've had the news that Adams Park will be one of the vaccination centres in the battle against COVID. We'll be hearing from Neil about all of the things that the club have had to do to prepare
0: and continuing our uh, fantastic allegiance alliance collaboration uh, delete the inapplicable uh, with the uh, ex-player association we'll chat to Paul Birdseye who uh, among other things uh, he was a defender uh, played at the club between 71 and 82 and uh, also played during that famous FA Cup third round tie at home and away against Middlesbrough in 1975 the first time in the club's history they reached the third round which is quite timely considering uh, they were in third round action this weekend and uh, a rather historical uh, moment as well this weekend
1: too Indeed. Yes, it's the first time of course that yes, we have gone straight into the third round. We will be hearing up from Gareth Ainsworth ahead of the game against Preston North End uh, getting his uh, thoughts as he faces one of his former clubs.
0: So lots to lots to get through. We better crack on. Uh, Cardiff then was uh, was a fantastic win. As I say, they scored first as well which was which was it doesn't happen very often so a great feeling.
1: No and and you just see the difference that it actually makes when we do score first because Cardiff were were then in the wicker wanderers role really of of having to chase the game and they never really looked like getting back into it I I thought we did so well uh, just you know j- just doing all those things that Wickham do do very well which was slowing the game down frustrating Cardiff and they did get quite frustrated um and you know yes okay they got a goal back with what 40 seconds to go or something and it it, it was a slightly nerve-wracking last 40 seconds or so but even so uh, you know we, we, we safely got the three points in the end
0: you must feel as well it's so good for all of the Wicke players to be playing at this level but there are certain uh, players in certain games where you feel especially pleased for and, and Joe Jacobson playing against Cardiff is uh, something that was, was a bit special
1: yeah, definitely uh you know the club where he started his career, uh, obviously a club that means a lot to him. Uh, the fact that that he got one of the assists uh, for the goal uh definitely, you know, was really really good. Uh and fantastic to see Ryan Tavazoli. He was obviously the the one who got the goal, but you know, he he was brilliant really at, at both ends to be honest. Uh re- really he he is really dangerous when when we have corners and when crosses go in, uh but at the same time, you know, looks really really solid and and he's one of those players that you definitely want at the at the back. Uh ju- just helping out and ensuring that actually uh, when corners come in the other way that you know that he's there hitting them away
0: we'll be hearing from Ryan in a few moments time but first Matt Cecil spoke to manager Gareth
2: Ainsworth after the game
0: Gareth, we've talked for so long about good performances not getting the result they deserve,
3: but
2: tonight everything came together. Yeah, I'm really pleased, mate. You know, I, uh, I thought balance was really important tonight. You know, They're, they're a big threat, uh, really, set players. They've scored a lot of their goals from set players. So David Wheeler comes in at Piesu, Tafazoli, some some big lads for me to to help with that. Um, but also the threat of Horgan, McCleary, Anish Mamete, I thought the game was superb and... Uh, I thought we uh, we nullified what Cardiff have shown in recent weeks of what they can do, and uh, I thought we deserved the result. <laughs> it's not one of that we've we've played bad and got a lucky result. I thought we deserved it. Um, it's been coming, you know, and, uh, and I'm really pleased. It's it's nice to be on the end of a win. At, uh, especially when everyone else wins around us as well. The bottom of the table is tightening up and uh, we want to be right in that mix. Two brilliant deliveries
3: for the goals. The first from Joe Jacobson, a special night for him up against Cardiff and he's got the assist for a bullet header from Ryan Taffersoli.
2: Yeah and, and Ryan you know has come in and made his mark but you know what can we say about Joe Jacobson? People probably thought the championship might be a stretch for him. He's been one of our most consistent performers. Um, I think he's, uh, he's an incredible guy. Um, he's been with me right from the start of the success uh, sort of era, you know, the Wembley season onwards, and uh, I couldn't be without him. You know, one of the best left backs uh, in in the in, in the lower leagues, and now he's. Proving himself in the championship which is brilliant um, Ryan Tafferzoli we know what he's about we've tried to sign him numerous occasions uh, he's just had a nightmare with his ankle after this once a game, he played on with a, with a ligament injury, that shows the, the desire he wants for the club but it cost him a couple of months out you know, and uh, to have him back was good, I thought he was calm, defended really well alongside Josh Knight who again was superb um, but you know, the changes is wheeling, really, the coming in, Hicpeyzu I thought had a fantastic full championship debut and then I've got the big man to put on, I can Fenwick calm things down, Bloomfield. You know, I mean, we've got a good squad here. It's just keeping everyone fit, keeping the balance right, and uh, you know, tough, tough night because toilet Murphy coming off the bench, two great players, you know, and, and they did cause a few problems, but um. I was really pleased that we'd done the damage already and stopped Cardiff in the first half, especially Wilson, you know, he's a great player and uh, I think Kiefer and Moore and Morrison going off, all these things just went in our favour. We took advantage, really pleased to get the result. Um, a little bit cold now, so looking forward to getting in my office and, uh, and celebrating with Dabo, having a look back at the, the game, seeing what we could have done better. The boys gave me everything, you know, uh, they, they, just, they, they deserve that tonight, and I'm I'm so pleased for them. Finally, that closes the curtain on 2020, a year you won't forget. Everyone says they've had a bad year, you know. 2020. I'm thinking we've had a hell of a year, you know. We came was in the championship, you know. July uh, the 13th was, I mean, the best the best night for this club ever. Um, and I still remember those videos of the fans saying blow the whistle and and how we went up. And this is this is what it's for. If they can't come back this season, I want to stay in the Championship so they can come back next season and support us. That's my aim, try and get above that line. I've got a, a brilliant backing from Rob and Pete, uh, Andrew Howard, who, who, they're all working behind the scenes to try and keep this squad strong and and, and get the best out of us. Um, and I work every every minute of the day to try and keep this club in the Championship. It's brilliant, love my job and uh, love this club. Definitely sounds like
0: we're in safe hands. Before we hear from him, uh, tell us a bit about uh, Ryan Taffer's contribution against Cardiff.
1: Yeah, I, I, as I say, I thought he was really, really good against Cardiff. Uh, it was a super goal um, uh, from a, a JJ corner, uh, you know, real, real bullet header. Um, and definitely, he, he now looks like the, the finished article. I think because, obviously, he played a couple of games uh, and then spent a long time out injured, uh, you know, we, we weren't quite sure whether he was going to be one of those players that actually we could rely on. But definitely, having seen him against Cardiff, uh, you know, he, he really does look like one that we're, we're going to want to hang on to. He spoke to Matt Cecil after the game as well.
3: It's been a stop start
4: start to your life at Wickham Wanderers but tonight must have felt like the wait wasn't worth it. Yeah, to be honest but it quite frankly it's been nothing short of a nightmare start in terms of the injury. Um, got it early on against Swansea played on with it and um, I, I literally couldn't get over it rush it back to probably... Too quickly in hindsight and uh, it has been very frustrating but it's good to finally get over that now and um, and um, get back out on the pitch. I mean you've been watching the games and it must be frustrating seeing the boys perform
3: so well, not get the results they deserve and you haven't been able to play a part up until now.
4: Yeah, it is um, it is very it has been very frustrating because the boys there's been so many games where we've been a better team, but I just said then it's the key moments and the fine lines which have gone against us um, fortunately tonight and Thankfully, tonight it has gone our way, and uh, we deserved three points tonight. And we got them. That looked like a fun goal to score—a perfect delivery from JJ, who I'm sure himself had been looking forward to this game up against Cardiff, and uh, exactly where he would want the ball. Yeah, exactly. Look, he's left foots, probably the best in the league. So you know, you've you've always got a chance if you can attack the ball and pick up the flight early. Um, he's going to put it on the money, and that's what he did tonight. You're one of the few players in the squad with championship experience. Your
3: time with Hull prior to this, has it met your expectations? And, and, and how do you think the boys that have gradually
4: been able to adapt to life in the second tier? Yeah, I think um, I think at the start it may have been a little bit of a shock to us to the system for 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 us. Um, obviously, we didn't win in a handful of games and we didn't pick up many points. Um, but I think since then we've been the better team. We have turned that corner and we've we've been the better team in most games and we've. Um, we've should have we should have won many games that we haven't and we should have picked up draws that when we've lost. So, um yeah, the boys really have adapted well and um we 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 can only look forward now. And finally,
3: sort of going back to your impressions of joining the club, we, our paths have crossed previously. with you at Mansfield in League 2 and, and
4: Peterborough in League 1. W- what were your feelings joining the Wickham Wanderers uh, having come up against us a few times in your career? Yeah, I always knew what, what, what Wickham was about and um, I think it you. suited me massively. You know, um, One of the coaches at Hull City used to be here, Barry Richardson, who I was close with, and he told me all about it before I came. And, you know, it was... Massively appealing to me and I felt I could be a good addition to the, to the, to the team and the squads. Um, so, um, yeah, it's been even better than I expected, to be honest. Like, you know, I don't want to use the, the, the cliche, it has been, it's, it's like a family here and um, everyone wants everyone to, to, to do their best. And um, if we keep doing that, we'll pick up wins. Ryan Tapp is only speaking
1: after the win against Cardiff. Then on Saturday, we faced Middlesbrough at Adams Park. Unfortunately, going down 3-1. Uh, we did manage to score first. Uh, Gareth spoke to Matt Cecil after the game.
3: That's the midway point in the season, and a, a disappointing result to reflect on today. But overall, you know your side are competitive in this division and, and can
2: stay up. Yeah, do you know, I, I'm looking back, and I'm 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 counting on one hand the times when I've been disappointed. I'm disappointed today. We're second best, uh, in a lot of challenges and, and set plays and. and you know, in the game, it wasn't flowing, passing great moves that ripped us apart. It's two set players and a giveaway in midfield, you know. But they put pressure on you to get those set players. They put pressure on you to give that ball away in midfield. And that's, uh, that's Neil Warnock's side, you know. It's, he's got them really organised, working so hard. And, and we're very similar, but they were better they are a big club you know and, and look at Wickham uh, sorry Middlesbrough last year and Middlesbrough this year there's only one reason for that you know it's just Neil Warner what he's come in and done and, and what he does to teams and, and you've got to stand up and, and, and make it count and we had chances we've got to stick them in the goal but we are second best today and I don't often say that but um, I'll take that on the chin I'm not going to try and dress it up and, and talk about how we could have we could have got something we, we could have made our chances count you know but they, uh, they executed theirs really well and and uh, and I'm sure they're going to be up and around it at the end of the season. Let's
3: pick a positive then. Uche the uh, first goal in the championship, and, and what a goal to score!
2: Fantastic, you know what a start he's showing. What he, he's going to bring to Wickham, um, and the big positive is, you know, it's only his second start because of injury, because of you know, he's uh, and, and Ryan Taffers as well. You know, I thought both of them again they're growing in the game. Um, but what a strike, you know. I'm so pleased for him. He's uh, he's such a, a humble, hard-working hardworking guy wants to learn and he's so grateful of his chance in the championship he came over to me so thank you for bringing me and you know, after he said and, and just, that's that's brilliant for me i'm just proud of the boys always always proud of them they give me everything today just wasn't enough against a, a real good mills return there's
0: something quite nice especially uh, i recalled from the cardiff post match comments that he said about a number of the players who are coming back and i, I think uchi definitely one of those C- could be really
1: exciting now that we're starting to see more of him I thought he was brilliant against middlesbrough and finally looks like a player who might actually be our answer to well what do we do when we can't play Bayo uh, he you know he, he just looks like he's full of tricks he's really really difficult to play against uh, I think uh, again uh, a bit like tafazoli you know he, he's definitely one that we want to hang on to he looks like he's really really good and fantastic and absolutely lovely to hear how humble he is as well the fact that he's going up to Gareth and saying things like thank you for bringing me here uh, that you know that that clearly uh says a lot about how much he values being at wick wanderers it does seem to mean a lot doesn't it to, to all the players as as i sort of touched on earlier
0: being able to play in the championship at this level uh, for this club
1: yes and i i think it's it's also about playing for this club and about the the way that the the management then treat the players i think they are very very aware that actually if they were at another club other clubs with this sort of record where, where they're bottom of the table, table, you know, they, they would be having a really unpleasant time, a really, really rough time in the dressing room. And you know that that's not how Gareth treats people. It is very much, you know, every, he treats every game, um, as it comes. The, the, the sort of the, the negatives don't hang about for very long. You know, he reviews the game, they discuss it, and then they move on. And they really do move on you know he's he's not then bringing up uh negative points it, it is such a positive place you know even now uh when yes we are bottom of the table but it's still a very very positive dressing room and i i think that's probably why players like coming you know and, and playing for wick Wanderers so much and we've seen so many players as we've said previously you know who who've been here who've gone away and they they come back the jason mccarthy's fred uh you know so, so many players uh, have eventually come back to, to Gareth um, and I'm sure players like uh are, are really enjoying playing for him
0: It's a really good advert for the club and Gareth and his backroom staff as well uh, More positive news this week as well that Adams Park will be used as a vaccination centre uh, for the coronavirus inoculation uh, Great news for everyone connected with the club and Neil Peters who's the Chief Commercial Officer uh, is someone who uh, is especially proud uh, of this news
5: Yes, Colin, it's um, It's an honour really to be involved in such a huge and important programme. From the initial conversations that we had, Rob Kuig, our owner, was absolutely sort of adamant that we should be at the right of the centre, right at the front really, of trying to sort this pandemic out locally um, for the local community, so no better place really than the local football stadium to be used. So yeah, we're, we're very pleased to be strongly involved.
0: What was the process like? Did you have to apply or were you selected?
5: It was a long uh, long process that involves a lot of people. Obviously, this is it, it's clearly unprecedented. It's not something that's happened before. So the process was quite lengthy. A lot of, lot of meetings with a lot of people. Um, there's people from the police involved, bar service, site surveys, local practitioners. Um, so, yeah, it was quite, quite lengthy, but it was initial contact actually regarding a mass vaccination, which is for the 18 to 65 Um I had an initial conversation regarding that and i think it then spiraled into this first wave which is the um 65 plus so um we find out later on this week and um, we sort of clarify later on this week whether we'll also be used for the mass vaccination i'm, I'm thinking that's quite likely
4: and that's
0: the pfizer biontech uh vaccination which which will be which will be given at adams park
5: yes indeed um it is so it arrived yesterday the first um first sort of batch arrived yesterday afternoon was spent vaccinating sort of local practitioners and care workers and those that are going to be involved in administering the vaccine to the public over the coming uh, the coming weeks so yep it arrived yesterday it's ready it's great that it's here um, and it's great that at last some people maybe have got a a glimmer of hope
0: it must be quite a logistical thing to need to set up though because i imagine obviously you'll get thousands of people coming to adams park which is, is something, something that, that hasn't happened for a while
5: yeah it's, there's a huge irony in that that at last we 've got people you know in their droves it will be coming back um, not for the reason that we would want, however for a good reason and you know on a slightly selfish note, you could argue maybe from my perspective that this is this is a step forward in getting the fans back to adams park because i'm sure with as the vaccine takes control and um cases start to drop, we will start seeing um changes in you know, government directive, which hopefully I would think, you know, at some point, and let's hope it is this season, I'm hoping maybe March onwards, that we will start to see some relaxation and we will see fans coming back to Ireland's Park for the right reason, which is to see, you know, the Blues play in the Championship. And um, it will be a dogfight at that point, I'm sure, but um, we still have um, every chance of um, being in that Championship next year where we should have fans back.
0: It does seem quite a natural selection, doesn't it? Because I know that you do have uh, blood donor sessions at the club as well. So this kind of fits quite nicely with that, I suppose.
5: Yeah, blood donors, that's the only, um, you know, once the first first wave hit, actually, um, we had to close our sort of conferencing facilities. The only thing that I allowed or we as a club allowed to continue was blood donor and the NHS. So they've been coming in still regularly. And, yeah, it's a nice fit. It's, it's a good location. It's kind of out of the way. It has a large car park, which is therefore easy to um, easy to position people. And The whole thing is about logistical um, nightmare, really, it is. You clearly can't just have a load of people turning up, wandering around. So there's stewards in the car park that will be making sure. That I think patients or, or uh, people are going in in groups of 20. They've all got to be signed in. They've got to read some documentation, um, obviously have the vaccine. Then they've got to sit for 15 minutes. Um, effectively supervised before they can leave the premises. But it will just be one long sort of treadmill process, really, that has to be very, very carefully managed. But we've got the right spaces, we've got the right access and egress. So um, everybody that's come down to do the site surveys are very, very pleased with it. It's now just a case of um, let's crack on and let's make a difference to our community in the UK
0: obviously this isn't the reason for it but you imagine it might be quite a nice opportunity as well for people who are coming to the ground to think oh look there's a championship football club here we should come here again
5: um that hasn't even dawned on me colin (laughs) no obviously listen we love to have people down at adams park the fact is we are at the end of a you know cul-de-sac sort of trading estate therefore nobody ever drives past adams park so i'm very aware that the only people that know where Adams Park is is because they've been there before. There are going to be of people coming to Adams Park that have never been to the football stadium before. And although, as we say, they're not coming for the reason that we would like, let's let's hope that some of those people in the coming months um, and for the next few months and seasons and years, um, this might be their first introduction to a club that they then become affiliated with. So, yeah, it's good to it's good to be on the map. It's good to have you know, thousands, and it will be thousands of people over the next few months, uh, possibly a year, it's good to have people knowing where we are, um, you know, putting us, us on the map, and let's hope we see them return for the right reasons.
0: It might be hard to say, but how big an impact would you say the, the coronavirus has had on the club commercially? Obviously, you've you're not, you're not had the huge crowds on a match day that you, you'd have liked.
5: Um Huge, yeah, absolutely huge. Uh, I, I actually lifelong fan, worked for the club before, but I started at the beginning of March. So I, I started as Chief Commercial Officer. I was there for a couple of weeks, and then the pandemic hit, and everybody was furloughed by myself and, and a couple of others. It's had a huge commercial impact, um, mm-hmm. most notably, as you say, that the fans not coming in. So, number one, um, we're not able to sell tickets. Number two, as you will know, when people turn up, the are talking match, they buy be a beer, a burger, a shirt... So commercially, it's hit us really hard. That said, we've worked incredibly hard on some new platforms to make a difference to the club and to make sure that we were still making money um, in slightly new ways. So we launched our online store, which we didn't have before. That's gone very well for us. We've done numerous things. We we added the Wanderer's Wall, which is where people could buy a tile and have it, have it personalised. Um, and That's gone up in the car park. It, it's fair to say promotion helped us um, a little, secure some bigger deals Uh, We did a great deal with Dreams Beds. But at the same point, um, it's been a very, very tough year. It still is. And we are now obviously um, still looking at how we can bring money in for the rest of the year. We need to secure finances for the club. It's been been a tough one for the owners who really signed up their 75%, maybe a month before the pandemic hit. So they've never really had the opportunity to grow it as they wish. However, they're very inventive. And they're very supportive, and I would say we're probably doing an awful lot better than some other clubs of similar size because of the enthusiasm and innovation that's been taking place behind the scenes.
0: Is there a real feel of, feeling of optimism that perhaps you know towards the end of the season fans will, will get to return, and uh, and perhaps you'll be able to you know show them what, what they've been missing, if you like, in terms of an Adams Park experience?
5: Yes, there is. I was on a Zoom call yesterday with Pete and Rob Cooghig, um, a piece UK-based, uh, and, and is here now, Rob, still in Louisiana. There is some optimism. We are, um, you know, we've got no facts and figures to go by, but we're we're planning that we think, with a vaccination taking place and maybe taking a hold, that maybe fans will possibly start returning in March. That's what we're looking to. Of course, we've had a couple of games where we had some fans in, uh, 2,000 fans in. That was great. A little bit of a tease, really, because it's beautiful to see people back in Adams Park cheering on the Blues, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a halt for that. But there has to be optimism. Football fans will return. Of that, there's no question. Um, the question is when. Therefore, you have to sort of put a line in the sand and say to yourselves, right, we've got to be geared up and ready for that occasion. But fans will return to see. There's been loads of changes in the stadium. Those fans that have been in have already seen it, from new floodlights to the LED perimeter board advertising to new dugouts to the things that we've done in the car park. Uh, the new shop. So, yeah, f- fans that have not been for some time are going to, you know, when they first return to Thomas Park, they're certainly going to realise that there's an awful lot of work has gone on behind the scenes and this is a club that's certainly not, you know, stood still during the pandemic period.
0: And just finally, what's your message to both supporters and indeed the wider community about the fact that, you know, you'll be a venue for the vaccination?
5: The message, first and foremost, I would say, is please do not turn up um, uninvited. Um, that that's really important. I appreciate that some people would uh, like to turn up just to see where they will be going as and when they get the call. But um, the logistics of getting people through the gates and getting them parked and keeping them socially distanced would mean that we only want people on site, certainly, that have had the invite, I believe, from their local practitioners. So, um, you know, the message to, to, to all is please don't turn up until requested. The message to all is also when you turn up, Please follow the guidelines that you've been given. Have your jab. And let's hope that um, we see you back at Avent Park for the right reasons, um, supporting the community football team, the championship football team, and that we can put this horrendous time for everybody um, well and truly behind us.
1: Great to speak to you. Thank you very much, Neef, for your time.
5: No problem. Thank you, Colin
1: that's neil peters fantastic to hear what the club are doing with regards to the coronavirus vaccine center still to come on uh, the wickham Wanderers show we will be hearing from ex-player paul birdseye
0: this is wickham sound part two of the wickham wanderers show it's going well isn't it i think give some feedback is it going well
1: hello it's going very well (laughs) We can edit that a bit later. The only trouble is that occasionally my Wi Fi drops out. Oh, as, as happened to me. Oh, I know. <laughs> I
0: I've generally, been Adam's Park. I genuinely thought you were going to say your wife drops out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wi Fi. Yeah, yeah I, I've got it now. Uh, so yes second part of the Wickham Water Show still to come we'll be hearing from uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth ahead of the FA Cup third round tie against Preston uh, on Saturday but uh, coming up now uh, someone who played for Wickham in the third round of the FA Cup Paul Birdseye uh, against Middlesbrough we'll have uh, more from him on that in a few moments time but he was a a defender at the club between 1971 and 1982 so uh, let's find out how he first became associated with the club
6: the first time I pulled on a Wickham Wanderers shirt was actually in the FA Youth Cup as a 15-year-old. I played for in the Wickham Under-14 League with Y Mead and uh, somehow or other was selected to play as a 15-year-old in this Youth Cup at, at Oxford City under floodlights. It was my first ever experience of floodlights. And uh, managed, we, I think we won 3-1, and I managed to score a header, which was more luck than judgment, because I didn't see it more coming out of the, sh- out of the floodlights.
0: <laughs> so when you first started playing, it must have been fantastic to know that, it, as you were saying off air, that, that your dad played as well, so you have kind of carrying on the family tradition, if you like. It,
6: exactly, exactly. And I think there was, a, there was actually a press cutting the week after in the Buck Street Press with a photograph of me and a headline, Like father, like son which I think I've still got that cutting somewhere, amongst other cuttings. But then that rest, the rest of that season, I, I played. Wickham ran three sides in those days, in the uh, mid-60s. So there was a reserve team, and A, what they called the A team, who played in the Wickham, the Wickham League, Wickham combination. So I was playing with people like Bob Donaldson, Lou Radmore, Dave Roberton, people like that, who who I still see occasionally at the either the, the ex-player's golf do's or at the club dinners. So that was that was my first introduction. But then in 1966, my dad was a, a rep in the veneer industry and got a job with a company based in Hale's Owen, so we moved up to Evesham. So I did my A-levels at uh, grammar school in Evesham and then went to Loughborough for three years to train as a PE teacher. And in my third year at Loughborough, which was 1970-71, I was playing for the English Universities team and also the British PE Colleges team. It was quite an an interesting story, actually, because the manager of the English Universities team was a guy called Roy Rees, who was a lecturer at Liverpool University, but he was also manager of Skelmersdale in the Northern Premier League. And he had had uh, Steve Highway and Brian Hall, who both went on to uh, to great things. They played for him the year before I was introduced to the team. And Roy really wanted me to go and play for Skelmersdale. So uh, I, I went on the train from Loughborough to Liverpool on a Thursday for an interview, spent five minutes talking about education and then an hour talking about football And they presented me with a list of 13 jobs in Liverpool in PE departments and said, take your pick. So I said, well, yes, OK, I'll have a think about it. And that was on the Thursday and the Friday. I was playing for the British PE colleges at Lokes Park against Wickham Wanderers under floodlights. And uh, I clearly had a pretty good game because Brian Lee came up to me afterwards and asked me if I'd come and play for Wickham which seemed a little less scary than going to somewhere completely strange like Skelmersdale. So that was on the Friday night, and I I agreed and said, well, I need need a job. And he said, oh, don't worry, we'll sort something out, but we'll try and help you. And um, shortly after that, I had a letter to invite me to an interview for a teaching job at Ashmead School in Reading. And it turned out the head of the PE department was a lawn tennis coach, who uh, did a lot of work at Bissom so Brian knew him quite well. And uh, this particular head of PE, who shall remain nameless, came up to me when I arrived at the school for the interview and said, "Well, there are six of you on the interview, but don't worry, you've already got the job." And that and that was it. My first season at Wickham was seventy-one, seventy-two, with pre-season training at Bissam Abbey and having just come out of PE College, I was pretty fit, so that wasn't too too arduous. And the very first league game was at home to, I think it was Bromley. And um, I scored the first league goal of the season with a diving header from a Ted Powell free kick. And we went on to win the league that year, which was great. I think we were at Averley in the Amateur Cup early in the new year. So that would have been 1972. And um, I fractured my shin making a last ditch tackle and uh, hardly played for the rest of the season. And missed missed out on our amateur cup semi final at uh, Griffin Park at Brentford when uh, we lost two one to Brentford. But the upside of it was that uh, on the Easter Monday we were in the Barks and Bucks Cup final at Maidenhead, and I met my wife, who is still my wife.
0: <laughs> what a fateful day that turned out to be!
6: Well, I know, awful. <laughs> <laughs> She's just walked into the room. I've never I've never got over the shock, Colin.
0: <laughs> You've been paying for it ever since. <laughs>
6: Oh, and she's, she says she's never got over the surname. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it must be such a fantastic feeling as well, though, to to be playing for the club that you, you followed as a youngster in the, in the town that you grew up in, and obviously that your oh, dad played for as well.
6: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think you don't really give it too much thought at the time, the sort of responsibility, because we've always, as a club, been very well supported, given the size of the town, and uh, in those early days of my career at the club we were getting two and a half three three and a half thousand people per game and that was in the what was the rothman's isthmian league at the time and if we played slough hendon maybe enfield at the time we'd perhaps get four and a half five thousand there it's quite extraordinary the support
0: and all of the eras seem to have something really special about them. I'm sure you know, the group of players that you watched and, uh, and got to know kind of growing up as well, that that was a pretty special time for the club too.
6: Yes, ab- ab- absolutely. And just to go back to the Len Worley story, in my last year at Loughborough, we drew Hayes in the FA Amateur Cup at Loughborough. And I looked at the team sheet and I saw this left winger, I was playing right back at the time, saw this left winger len whirley and i thought to myself being an arrogant young chap len whirley he's he's got to be getting out of his wheelchair to play in this game and uh, i hardly got near him all game <laughs> <laughs> but uh, whenever i see him at ex player functions i have a joke with him about that and uh, we've always got them really well and he keeps himself in incredibly good shape for somebody who's a probably 10 years older than me. He's doing great.
0: I guess as well, sort of in the position that you played, it must be uh, fantastic sort of to have that kind of group mentality with, with other defenders and your other teammates as well.
6: Yes, and I, I mean, the, the game has definitely changed. In those days, sliding tackles were permitted and you could use your elbows. I always believed in getting my retaliation in first if I needed to. And um, some of the things that we as a collectively as players did in those days, we'd probably be done for grievous bodily harm these days. It was uh, it was a far more physical game th- than it is now in terms of physical contact, although I think they're probably uh, better, more highly-tuned athletes than, w- than we were in those days. Certainly the pace of the game now is extraordinary compared with uh, how I remember it anyway.
0: And just fantastic that the players were, were, you know, had other jobs as well, and had to fit in training and uh, playing and travelling to matches as well. It was quite a, quite a commitment.
6: Well, yes. In fact, I lived in Reading for a, a couple of years, and uh, Barbie and I decided we wanted to buy a house when we got married, which was in August '73. So we bought a house in Newbury, and at the same time, I decided I didn't much care for the paycheck that I get got at the end of each month as a as a teacher so got into estate agency and was based in Newbury so I was traveling backwards and forwards from Newbury three times a week and uh, then we moved up to Wantage for a couple of years where our daughter was born and in that year when I was at Wantage uh, or two years I I was doing sort of 50,000 miles a year backwards and forwards to Wickham three times a week. It's quite a strain, and I have to say that uh, I was very lucky in having a tolerant wife who hardly ever saw me.
0: <laughs> but she's a lot more of you these days.
6: She does, yes. We're both retired now and, uh, and enjoying the, f- sea- the sea air on the south coast.
0: Fantastic. Are there any particular games that do stand out? Obviously, there's things like the, the FA Amateur Cup semi-final, also the, the sort of promotions that you had as well, must have been some, some standout matches.
6: Yes, I don't know that they all stand out for the right reasons. In my second season, I'd had a fairly bad ankle injury and I was on crutches for a a couple of weeks. And uh, when I got back to some semblance of fitness, Brian Lee said to me, I think you should go to Maidenhead and uh, get your match fitness back. Just go on loan for a few weeks. My first game was at Maidenhead under floodlights on a Tuesday night against Southall. And they had a very tricky little winner who twice got the ball and uh, and went past me like i wasn't there so the third time i managed to time it perfectly and put him over the fence and it turned out to be gordon hill who then went on to play for man united in england but they also had alan devonshire in the team uh, who had a very distinguished career with west ham and uh, my future brother-in-law little did i know it at the time a borough road pe graduate who uh, finished up marrying my sister-in-law so yeah that was uh, that was one of my more memorable games and I think the same season we played at uh, Walton and Hersham and um, their pitch had an athletics track around the outside it was called Stompond Lane at the ground and uh, a certain character who went on to great things with Wimbledon by the name of Dave Bassett was playing for, for Wimbledon and uh, he got sent off, and he far side of the pitch he took his shorts off and walked all around the outside of the pitch in his jockstrap. strap. that was quite memorable. <laughs> that would stand out <laughs> and did yes, and did a mooney to all the fans in the stand. <laughs> obviously, the two matches we played against middlesbrough in seventy five stand out as being absolutely memorable, but we we outplayed Middlesbrough in the home game, whether that was a question of them taking us too lightly or the sloping pitch was playing havoc with their mind and their tactics I don't know it was a different story at ashton park in the replay I must admit I think we were we were quite relieved to, to see the their winning goal go in in the last minute because most of us were sort of out on our feet
0: that but must be uh, again there must be a real source of pride there because a lot of people oh, still that, talk
6: about that don't they that's absolutely fantastic the, the middlesbrough players actually lined up and applauded us off the pitch just like the rugby players do it was quite extraordinary and to play in front of 30,000 people at Ayrson Park was very special
0: and we've got the FA I Cup th- coming up this weekend of course that must really sort of jog your memory as well
6: oh it, it does in fact the home match against Middlesbrough was played on the Saturday but it was at the big match main feature match on the Sunday afternoon with Brian Moore and I was Actually, more nervous watching it on the Sunday afternoon on on the TV than I was the day before, and I knew the result already anyway. It was quite bizarre. What was it like uh, playing under Brian Lee? He was uh, Brian was uh, was was great. He was a certainly a disciplinarian, and you knew what was expected of you. He hated John Maskell, who was mainly the goalkeeper that I played with. He didn't want John Muskell to roll the ball out to the, to the full-back, so that none of this playing from the back. He wanted him to launch the ball forward to Keith Searle, who was a fantastic target man. And then we had people like Mickey Holyfield, Howard Kennedy, Larry Pritchard, would know roughly where the ball's going. And, and it, was, it was a fairly stereotyped system that we played, but it was very effective. And uh, when you have the quality of players that we had in the side, it worked. And I think we won the league, won the Eastman League, I believe it was three times in the first four years I was there, which was uh, really quite some achievement because there were some very good sides in the league. The likes of Enfield, Hendon, Slough started to um, become a, a force to reckon with, who we always seemed to play on Boxing Day, which was an absolute nightmare. But uh, yes, it was. Uh, Brian was very good to work under. There was one incident I remember. I can't remember which season it was, but we had a a good midfield player came to join us by the name of Barry Davis, who then went on to have a very successful career at Leatherhead with my brother-in-law, funny enough. And um, Barry had been pre-season training with us. Mid good midfield player, looked really good. Played the first three or four league matches. And then we were at home to Enfield, and he wasn't selected. So um, when we were getting changed, after the team had been announced, we were getting changed uh, for the game, and Barry said to Brian, could I have a word with you, please, Brian? So they went outside, and five minutes later, Brian came back in the dressing room and said, just to let you gentlemen know that Barry Davis is no longer a member of this football club, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he questioned but Brian's selection was enough for him to go.
0: Did it feel such a special period at the club, being in the Eastman League and playing at Lokes Park and being there for so long as you were?
6: Every season was special. It just it just became the norm. Eventually, we moved back to Hazelmere in, in 1976 and uh, I was back in the Wickham area full-time. Our social life had centred around Wickham for five or six years and uh, it seemed to make sense to come back and live in the area. And I, I was in a state agency still and um, was offered a job with Howard Son and Gooch who were uh, had an office in Eastern Street. So that was very convenient, living in Hazelmere and uh, not having to, to travel too far for, for home matches. And I, I remember we always used to train on the Thursday night and uh, I'd be driving from Hazelmere at about quarter to seven and on the radio they were always playing the top lps of the uh, of the week and i listened to a track of fleetwood max rumors virtually every thursday night for a year traveling to training because it was n- it was number it was number one in the lp charts for <laughs> so long interestingly one of my former teammates dave alexander who lived in slough he was in the PE department at what was wells board school
0: yes i moved to william and ramsey and was my teacher
6: Oh, was he really? (laughs) Okay. Well, I helped coach the Wickham Schools team with Dave Alexander. Oh
0: wow!
6: Although I gave up teaching after five terms, I still had that uh, desire to be involved with coaching at some level. So it was um, the uh, Apache Cubs in in Marlow. It was the Wickham Schools under tens, under elevens, right up to under fourteens. I think. Marlow Park Cricket Club, I coached the youngsters there. And uh, then when I retired from, from football, I got involved in rugby coaching. And I coached my son's age group from under eights right through to uh, Bucks under 21s. And loved every moment of it.
0: So it's great that you're at the club for, for 11 years. What, what kind of happened to you after that, if you like?
6: Um, well, in my last season, which was the 82-83 season, Mike Keane was manager. And uh, Alan Davis was assistant manager, who I had played with, incidentally, at Wymead in the under-14 league. And Mike was, was a lovely, gentle character who I don't think was particularly good with budgets. He had to shed one or two personnel. John Maskell had had retired from, from playing and had gone to Oxford City as manager, and he asked me if I would be interested in going and playing for Oxford. So uh, Mike... Keane and myself came to an agreement, and I left Wickham, I can't remember when, but it was probably October stroke November in 1982, and uh, spent the rest of that season at Oxford City in the uh, in the next division down of the Ismin League. There were three of us playing from the Wickham area. Dave Alexander, who lived in Slough, a local player, John Watts, who'd played for various local teams, and myself. So we used to meet at what used to be the Crest Hotel, which is now the Holiday Inn at Andy Cross. I was uh, now a junior partner in an estate agency in in Marlow and lived in Marlow. So I had a company car, so we'd meet at the Crest Hotel, jump in the car, I'd fly up the motorway at goodness knows what speed, and we, the three of us were invariably the first three to get there for training or matches, And we're invariably the last three to leave as well. We had a really good season. I enjoyed my my time very much there at Oxford City and uh, was pre-season training for the next season when I had decided to leave the estate agency. Well, I didn't leave the estate agency profession. I left the company I was with. They'd been bought by Lloyds Bank and uh, instead of, being in charge of an office, running the show, hiring and firing, I was having to fill in a forming triplicate just to get a typewriter ribbon, so mm-hmm. I, I'd had enough of that, and, uh, and coincidentally at the same time, there was a vacancy for the commercial manager's job at Wickham, because the then commercial manager, Mike Phillips, went to Southampton as their commercial manager, so I had an interview with Brian and Ivor Beeks, and I was commercial manager at Wickham for four years. And whilst I was there, the club had reintroduced a reserve team and I did have one or two run-outs with the reserve team just to keep my eye in and to perhaps make up the numbers if they were a bit short. And there was the likes of uh, Graham Bressington playing and Paul West a lot of the local younger players were were inside so that that was kind of a fun time but um then i really did miss the buzz of the property market so i then after 4 years at the club as commercial manager i set up my own business with a uh, with a business partner we set up a relocation business acting for uh, corporate clients uh, who were moving into the UK which was very helpful because with a teaching background I was able to help with not only the housing side of things but also the education side um, finding suitable schools for the kids and things like that so I did did that until 2003 when I got fed up battling with traffic wardens in London the whole time (laughs) so I had a complete complete change of heart my wife had just taken an early retirement package from BA and uh, setting up her own training consultancy and I we decided that I was going to well we were going to go to France I bought some properties in France and spent three years in France developing them that was 2003 to 2006 and then came back and to be honest I haven't done very much since then Colin <laughs> <laughs> oh sounds I've, very civilized I've done some property development over here I have a friend in Bourne End who uh, with him, we have bought two or three properties and developed them, and uh, potted around. He's got a, he's got his own business, and I occasionally come back up to the Wickham area or Marlow area and uh, help him with a bit of painting and decorating, just to keep my eye in. But uh, to all intents I sent yes, of well, course. My wife just came in again and said, "I sent her out to work full time, and I potted around."
0: <laughs> but you must look back so fondly on your, on your time at the club, and also, as you say, with the, with the sort of the help, if you like, of the the players' association as well. You can sort of keep that going.
6: I had a wonderful career at the club, and I, I don't regret any of my time there. Met some great characters, worked with some uh, some wonderful people, and it will always have a place in my heart. And uh, having said earlier uh, that my father passed away three years ago today, I took my mother to see him in the in the funeral directors, and he looked absolutely magnificent wearing his ex players tie, which was very special to him. He dad was one of the first members of the ex players association to be awarded a lifetime membership, which unfortunately didn't last very long, but uh, he was very proud of his association with the club and always used to come and watch the games when i was playing he passed away yeah he was he was 98 years old so he'd have been 101 now
1: wow well it's been fantastic to speak to you thank you so much
6: for your time you're very welcome Colin. it's been a pleasure
1: Thank you so much to Paul Birdseye uh, and a nice appearance from his wife as well uh, and many thanks to the ex Association as well for arranging so many interviews on the Wickham Wanderers show um, Earlier on today Colin spoke to Gareth Ainsworth, of course we have now played 23 games so that means that we are exactly halfway through the season uh, and Colin got Gareth's half term report
7: Things have gone pretty, pretty much as we thought they might but the referee's decisions and maybe just a goal scorer short of uh, having, you know, a decent amount of points at the at uh, the halfway point. I really, you know, I'm not one to keep going on about some decisions, but we've looked back and and we think we've got six or seven points that really have been taken off us for, for for poor decisions. You know, and, and you can everyone everyone will be able to say this, but we feel really aggrieved on some of them. You know, and uh, and had some feedback from the referees association saying that obviously there's been a couple of errors there, but. Um, you know we can't hide the fact as well that we haven't scored enough goals, and and so that's something I want to I want to look at. You know we always were going to be this team in the championship that people were like, "What the hell are and Wanderers doing in the championship?" and uh, and surely we can beat them. And uh, I think we've surprised a few. I think we've been super competitive in games. Uh, like I say, just sticking it in the back of the net at times has been just just shy of that. And uh, and if we can get that going in the second half of the season, I think we'll have we'll, a Goal at survival in this league, and uh, and I've got some great backing from the chairman Rob Coe and and Pete Coe. You know, already we've brought Admiral in from uh, Leicester. We're trying to get a couple more in in the January window, and uh, hopefully we can we can be strong for the second half of the season.
0: Yes, tell us about Admiral and what, what you like about him. I know you've got some great generals now, an Admiral as well.
7: Yeah. A <laughs> oh, nice nice one there. Uh, yeah, we we definitely have an uh, Addy, is uh he's a goal scorer, you know. He scores goals in that area where I think we've been lacking which is between the posts and you know penalty spot inwards, you know. We we don't seem to score enough goals in those positions. We score from outside the box, we score from from wider positions or headers from corners, but those scrappy little goals that somebody's just there instinctively in the right place at the right time. Admiral's got that, you know, and and, uh, and I've seen his uh, plenty of footage. He comes on a big recommendation from a few people and I think the game will suit him at this level. He's uh, He's got, he's obviously learning still and, and our loans, we can't go and get, you know, a Man United first team player or a, or a, or even a, a Norwich City first team player and bring him in because financially it's just crippling for clubs, you know, so what we have to do is we have to develop uh, and that's the same as Eberichi EZ is now ripping it up in the Premier League and, and uh Alfie Morrison again who went on to fantastic things, you know, Josh Knight had some great development early early part of the season. So I think all these all these are in our favour, we, we develop players. So that means we have to take players who really haven't played anywhere and we see something in them that um that we we can bring out this potential. So um Dennis Adeniran again, another great example. So you know it 's tough, but um again we we believe in what we've brought in, we believe in the squad around them and and you mentioned the generals there you know we 've got a great ethos at this club and a great culture which which the boys buy into and, and helps with their development so looking forward to seeing what Addie can give us, but he won 't be the, the last one there'll'll be a couple more coming in in January at least and uh, and we 'll see where we where we end up
0: do you get a feeling that goals are coming? I know you've scored in the last four games and the last two <laughs> games you scored first, which is which is great
7: yeah they definitely are you know we what we won't do is we won't lose the first seven games again, you know, which we did in the in, in the, the first part of the championship, you know, which really put us on the back foot, getting used to it. And it's the first time in 133 years this club's been anywhere near this, and uh, and obviously we had to work things out, we had to we had to get up to speed with the championship, which is a fantastic league and a, and a huge huge step, you know. I'm lucky enough to have played in all the leagues, and I'll tell you as a player, you probably don't see this step as much as you do as a manager. As a manager, wow. The step between, you know, the, the non-league and League Two is, you know, probably a, a doable step. And then from two to one again, you look at the clubs that come up. You know, they they always compete. But then you, the step from one to the Championship, I think, is enormous. And then and then the Championship to the Premiership again, an enormous step. I think the two the two last steps are huge. And uh, and we're finding that out. But it's not unlike this club to. To achieve the impossible, and uh, and it, it, it seems even more impossible now where we're in the league. But I still believe we can survive in this championship, and I really want to because my biggest biggest downer this season is that the fans aren't allowed to come in and see the, ch- the championship. We've had two games where we've had two thousand fans, and and that's it. That's the only people, the lucky people, have seen is in the championship. You know, so I really want to survive, and hopefully we can get fans in next season at least, or towards the end of this season, and they can see championship football because. Wow, well, they've supported me long enough in leagues one and two, and they're missing out on all the good stuff. So, really, really want them back. But it's my job now to keep this club up.
0: And it must be such a great source of pride to see uh, literally all of the the players that you you've put out playing in the championship and, and doing at that level.
7: Yeah, Do you know what, honestly, Colin, it's, it's what what gives me great pride is is the people who've worked here for so long. Um, you know, our press office, Matt Cecil. Um, you know, Dawn in the office, all the office staff. You know. And then my staff, my, Richard Dobson, David Waits, Keanu Doherty, you know, who've been with me through thick and thin, stood on the sideline at Torquay with Dobbo you know, and and went through all the, the heartache and then we went to Wembley and, and we've we've built this journey up. Do you know what? I really, I'm really proud that they've got to do it. Obviously, you know, better finances and, and increasing wages for people and all this sort of stuff just means so much to me and I really want to stay up for these guys and and they're so proud of this club, and, and I want that, and the fans as well. Honestly, I've had so many letters, so much support. In the early days, letters telling me how I should do it. In the later days, saying well done, brilliant. And now, almost, we really want you to survive because we want to come back next year. You know, it's it's all it's brilliant. This club, and I love I love being a manager, and we'll never take one day for granted.
6: Are all
0: the letters from the same person? They're just change, <laughs> changing their viewpoint <laughs> each time.
7: Yeah. Oh no, it's, uh, my my mum has stopped, <laughs> stopped writing, it <in> now. So <laughs> no, it's. Um, it, it really has been a, a, honestly over the years. It's been th- there must be hundreds of letters that I've, I've received, and honestly, some in the early days were, "You shouldn't be playing like this. You should be doing this. What about this on set plays?" And it was great. I think uh, Michael and Romeo once told me that he used to keep letters and reply to them when he, when he, when he got successful, and said, "There you go. That's what we've done." And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm never. I told you so. But I always want to think, you know, hopefully they had faith. They saw what they saw what we were trying to develop, and he's not going to come overnight. And uh, and I'm sure there's a few now saying how we should do things, but do you know what? Beating Cardiff and Sheffield Wednesday in Birmingham, you know, we've got some big games coming up. We have we've got the squad to beat teams in this league. Just need that little bit of luck, and also somebody sticking in the net, in the net. You know, we, we really do. We've had chances, and it's just just putting it in the net. That's uh, that's what we've been shy of. And uh, yeah, ironically, I've been harping on about professional referees for five years, and we, we suddenly get him. I'm thinking about... Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> but, please, please be uh, be, be more favourable to Wickham's second half of the season because we really deserve some decisions uh believe me.
0: It must be great to be such a part of so many great stories. We spoke to uh, Paul Birdseye earlier in the week who played for Wickham in 75 when they reached yeah. the third round of the FA Cup for the first time. And now you're leading the team into the FA Cup for the first time at this stage.
7: Yeah, and, and people like Paul, you know, and obviously Sadie, his dad passed away recently as well. Uh, I mean... These people are genuine, like legends of Wickham, you know, and, and Tony Horseman and people like that who I've met on the ex-player's dues and, and things like that. It's just been phenomenal to to be a part of uh, of the history of this club, you know, and and, and those guys are so humble, and uh, and it's brilliant that they now can say I played for Wickham Wanderers because Wickham Wanderers has is is become a bigger team than it ever was, and, and so the pride that they must have saying I played for Wickham Wanderers once It's great and that that means a lot to me as well because they've all been just nothing short of brilliant. There's not one ex-player or player or or person involved with this club who's ever, you know, been negative about anything. They've all been great, positive and and that's what this club's about and that's why I love managing it.
0: And it must have meant a bit more to you, especially coming up against some of your former clubs at this level. Again, another one on Saturday.
7: Yeah, uh, it's always nice to have your ex-clubs involved. I seem to have quite a few in this league, which is great, but... um, it's, uh, it's a it's a and wonders win all the way. I want um, sorry, Preston fans, but um, I'll be hoping that we can turn them over at home. Uh, we nearly did away, um, but a cup win would be fantastic. Um, and a league survival would just be the icing on the cake. We'll uh, we'll see what we can do. I'm
0: sure you get asked a lot, but do, do you prepare any differently for a cup game than than you would for the league?
7: No, no, no. It's a game. It's a game of football at the end of the day. You know, there's you know, maybe in the later stages and finals and things like that. But I think as a player, remembering it's just another game. You've got to win it. Got to go out there and win it, whether it was Checker Trade and uh, or Papa John's, it's called now, or League Cup, FA Cup, League, whatever it is. And I've played in some crazy cups over the years, what they've been called. Um, it's always just been another day, another game. And as a footballer and as a professional person, you just want to win it.
0: It was great to see on the website the New Year message from from the chairman. Have you have you got a particular message you'd like to kind of send out to fans? As you say, you're sadly, sadly missing from games.
7: Honestly, a real Happy New Year! Thank you for all your support, online, offline through the post and, uh, and I know you're all there uh, believe me I know it and I feel your pain as much as you feel mine when we, when we don't achieve the wins but um, they've been fantastic I've really made a lot of friends here and uh, like I say um, you know it's, uh, it's hold your head up high time for everyone involved with the Wanderers we're in the championship and we should be so proud of that
0: Great to speak to Gareth he did say he's uh, looking to bring in uh, more reinforcements in the January transfer window and we have breaking
1: news to bring you we do in the last few seconds it has been confirmed that josh knight will be returning to adams park on a loan deal until the end of the season fantastic news really really good because he has been absolutely wonderful uh great that we've secured him uh, for another loan spell from leicester until the end of the season thank you very much indeed uh thank you for
0: a, a top show it's been uh, very enjoyable plenty to uh, catch up on, on the uh, the cardiff and middlesbrough front and looking forward to a third round fa cup tie on saturday
1: Absolutely, it will be very exciting. Let's fingers crossed that we are in the fourth round draw, uh, and, and that maybe we pull out one of the big clubs because that, that that will be great, wouldn't it? There
0: is something really exciting about a good FA Cup run, isn't there? Obviously, we can we can look back to to playing <laughs> Liverpool at Villa Park and in, in the, the semi final, but just to get to the the latter stage of the competition and to be starting in the third round is really
1: exciting. I, I think it's the fact that you also then have the draw excitement as well that that means that you know you sort of get double excitement out of the FA Cup
0: yes and to to beat preston would be good as well because you were saying we drew earlier in the season as well yeah definitely thank you very much join us next week don't forget the podcast available as well